Well, I don't want to take too much more time, but I, I see it so significant at the timing that, that Joe always comes. It's always been significant, and this is our new year. And um, I am just, I can't tell you how expectant I am for you this new year and for me and for my church. And I am so desiring for God to have his way and for us to grab hold of his will for 2009. As a church, we have to grab hold of that. And we have been praying all week, Joe. I know you know that we do this. but We've been praying that the Holy Spirit would just impart into you the word that Church on the Hill needs this morning. And would you please all welcome Brother Joe McGee. I love it. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Good morning. You can be seated. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. I know. I love it. Uh, my pastor said, you know, uh, God gives you what you expect. Uh, we've said it before when Jesus ministered. He always asked people what they wanted. You know, he's passed a lot of people. He didn't do, a lot, he didn't do stuff for a lot of people because they didn't ask him. But for those that asked, man, he did everything. So... Uh, I'm expecting something great this year. I think it's going to be a jubilee year. So we're going to kind of touch on that this morning. Before I do, my wife's here this morning. People say, is your wife ever here? Yeah. Denise, would you stand up? Tessa, stand up. Maybe everybody sit back down. This is my wife, Denise, my fourth daughter, Tessa. Tessa's heading into her senior year at college. Thank God. Amen. Amen. This too shall pass. Amen. Uh, and my younger two are, are in school, so it's a busy, busy time. But, you know, when you have older kids, especially, they'll talk to you a lot, you know. And our older kids live close by, and they'll come by the office every now and then, and they'll ask you, you know, things and visit and talk. And we'll, you know, they find out where we're eating. They'll go eat with us, you know. Free food's always good when you have parents. And uh, But this has been a great year, 2008, election year, gas prices, economy, where they ask a lot of questions, like, what in the world is going on, you know. And you hear it all over the place. What is going on? I said, well, it's, uh, it's called the last days. It's in the Bible. And... Uh, you have to read about it because if you don't know what's in the Bible, the world makes absolutely no sense. What's going on makes no sense. It makes no sense that gasoline can jump up almost $3 a gallon for no absolute reason at all. And that it can drop almost $2 a gallon for absolutely no reason at all. Like, that's not good. What? I mean, if something blew up, something happened, that'd be normal. That's not normal. You know, uh, an election year, you know, it's always an exciting time. The economy always sort of does a double dip during an election year. Well, thank God it's about over and we're going back to normal and things are moving up and down. But one of the things you have to understand is if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't read the Bible, nothing makes any sense. And so the kids will come by and say, Dad, what's going on? And, of course, they got stuff with business and they've had layoffs and cutbacks and rollovers and, you know, and things aren't been quite as what they thought it might be. And I said, listen, everything goes up and down. But if you don't know who you are in Christ, you're going to be scared because you've got to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, the last days will scare people. The Bible says some men's hearts will fail for fear of things going on in the earth in the last days. That's not for the believer. That's for the world. That's not us. We're not. We're in the world. We're not of the world. It's a very different deal. So what I want to do is just give you a little explanation. I'm going to read from First Corinthians, chapter two, and I'm going to read something Paul was talking here. And uh, this is why I tell this. I read this to my older kids. Said you need to understand what's going on. This is the last days, but there are many opportunities. But you need to know that some people are going to be afraid. Some people are going to be thrilled. Some people are going to be broke. Some people are going to be rich. Some people are going to be happy. Some people are going to be sad. You need to decide where you're going. You can't just wait till something lands on you. First Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to jump into verse 7. Actually, let me back up to verse 6. Paul's writing, he said, Yet when I am among mature believers, I do, not, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. 
No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. For that is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit, for his Spirit searches out everything and, and, and shows us God's, watch this, deep secrets. There are things that the world doesn't know because they don't know God. If you don't know God, you don't know what's going on. You've got to know God to know what's going on. God said, I'll reveal to my people what's going on. Before Jesus ever came, hundreds of prophecies came that he was coming the first time. Well, there are hundreds of prophecies about him coming the second time. God never leaves his people in the dark. I will guide you into all truth. I will show you things to come. I will order your steps, direct your paths. I will make you the head and not the tail above and not beneath. I don't care what time of the year it is. It's a little thought. He says, but it shows a deep secrets. No one, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person and his own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, you know, not them, what they're thinking of going through, who can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words that are given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. Now, let's get a little deep here. Now, hang with me right here. Watch this. But people who are not spiritual cannot receive the truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they cannot understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. That's why people who are not Christians think we're idiots. That's when we got our own classifications here in the election. Did you know that? We got our own chart now. Evangelical Christians. We're classified. Who are we? We're, we're nonconformists. We're people who cause problems. We're people that need to be gotten rid of and put down and locked up and put away. Why? Because the blind don't understand the people that have the light. Now, you, listen, you only have light if you're walking in it. Now, I was telling the kids the other day, you know, when you take a flashlight when it's dark, you ever had the lights go off and you turn the flashlight on? See where you're going? If you turn that flashlight off, it gets dark again, but the light does not stop. You ever turn a flashlight on, that light starts shining? When you turn the flashlight off, that light doesn't stop. It's traveling 186,000 miles a second. That light you turn on, that flashlight in the dark, travels forever, will always be on. God is light. He doesn't stop. What happened? The devil's darkness. He's the one trying to blind people. He goes and he says this. So those who are spiritual can evaluate things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have, for we have the mind of Christ. We're different than everybody else. What in the world's going on in the last days? Lots of stuff's going on. Now there are three groups of people. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirty one. There's only three groups of people on this planet the Jews, the Gentiles, which are unbelievers, and the church of God. The Bible talks to all three. God is dealing with all three right now. What God is doing with the church is not what he's doing with unbelievers. What God is doing with unbelievers today, which is trying to draw them out of his goodness, is not what he's doing with the Jews. What God is doing with the Jews is not what he's doing with the church. You need to know who you are or you will scare or confuse yourself. 
for the church, this is the most exciting time in history. This is the time when God's Spirit is poured out on all flesh. Sons and daughters prophesy, dream dreams, have visions, hearts of the fathers back to the children, children back to the fathers. God is moving in a mighty way among the church. The church's job is to go reach the Gentiles. God's bringing the Jews home because he's getting ready to deal with them. We're reaching the end of the church age. Now, the, the last days have been going on for 2,000 years. The last day started in Acts chapter 1. They talked about it. These last days, when Jesus is out of the grave, we are now in the last days. Now, it's been going on for 2,000 years. And then how long is going to last? I don't know. I think about 2,000 years personally, but I don't know. Because, you know, we're reaching a point where until 1947, one-third of the Bible made no sense talking about Israel. This whole book's about Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. Sent to the Jews. Even when a woman had a demon-possessed daughter, he said, I've only been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He wouldn't give her the time of day for a minute until she used faith. And a Jew's not somebody people... You know, when, when Noah landed and his boys began to scatter and new nations were being built and every nation we know of today came from Noah's sons, all those nations are natural. They came from natural boys who produced natural offspring. The Jewish race is not a natural race. Abraham or Abram was a Gentile. God selected him because of his faith. Jew comes from the tribe of Judah, who Jesus could come out of eventually. Judah, Jew. Abraham was a Gentile, but his faith made him what we call a Jew. All of Abraham's sons were not Jews. Abraham had Gentile sons. Did you know that? Ishmael was a Gentile, and his seed of those Gentiles still exists today. They're not Jews. They hate Jews. Isaac was a Isaac was a Jew because of his faith. He was a believer, not because of his bloodline. Isaac had boys, Esau and Jacob. Esau was a Gentile. He didn't believe God. You understand that? Esau was just only only Jacob was a Jew. Jews are Jews by faith. That's why Jesus confronted them in the New Testament. Listen, just because you're circumcised, that doesn't make you Jewish. You claim you're a descendant of Abraham. You are not a descendant of Abraham. You're a descendant of the devil. You have the devil. You have no faith in God. You don't believe God. You don't trust God. God looks at hearts, not who you were born to. It doesn't matter whether you know your mom and dad or you don't know who you came from. You belong to God. You're in the family of God. You're in the church of God. And there are certain promises of people in the church of God that in the last days we would be blessed. I don't care what the economy is doing. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care what Congress is doing. I'm a blessed man. I'm in the church. I'm, I'm in the world. I'm not of it. My home's in another place. I'm an ambassador from another nation. Judgment can't fall on me. Before judgment can fall, I'll have to be taken out of the country. We do that in the natural. We launch war in the country. We bring our ambassadors home. That's why I'm a real big pre-tribulation person. In Daniel 9, you read about the prophecy to Israel that there are going to be 490 years left of history to God deal with Israel. 483 passed, and it, then it shut down. And Jesus went to heaven. And the time of the Gentiles, or the time of the Jews ended, the time of the Gentiles began. And there's seven years of Jewish history left where God's going to deal with it, but not now. Now it's a new time. It's a new age. Do you know there's nothing in the Old Testament about the church? Nothing. That's why nobody understood it. That's why Jesus said it was a mystery. Jesus' coming was a mystery. The church was a mystery. The church leaving here at the rapture is a mystery. Nobody understands. God hid it. That's why I said, had the devil known in 1 Corinthians, he wouldn't have crucified it. He didn't know. Why? It doesn't come by information. It comes by revelation. You don't, listen, you don't believe in Jesus because you physically saw him. You've been to heaven. It's by faith. It comes by revelation. We're a revelation kind of people. 
which is amazing because of the 66 books of the Bible, only the book of Revelation is the only book that says, blessed are those who read and understand this book. This is our finest hour. This is our best time. We are honored that God allowed us to be alive in the last days. Now, how do you know it's the last days? Well, I believe it's the last days for several reasons. We'll go into it tonight. But number one is Israel's back. 2,000 years, they didn't exist. None of this made sense. In 1948, Israel became a nation. This began to make sense. And the time began to pick up rapidly. 1967, they took back over Jerusalem, the center of the universe, the place where Jesus will sit for 1,000 years. Until that happened, Jesus couldn't come back. There was no place to sit. God made a promise to Abraham. And there are two different promises. In Genesis 13, God told him, your seed will be like the sand of the earth. Genesis 15, your seed will be like the stars of heaven. They're not the same. The seed of the earth is a Jewish race. God picked a man and said, I will bless your seed, the Jewish race. I promise. God's bringing Israel home, not because Israel's godly. 70% of all Israel doesn't believe in God today. 70% of all Jews who live in Israel do not believe in God or, or the Torah. Only 30% do. Why is God bringing them home? Because he promised Abraham he would. Before the end, I will bring Israel back home and deal with her. God's not dealing with her today. He's bringing her home to deal with her. And all the signs of the times are starting to line up. Everything's starting to kind of line up right now. So all you got to do is just kind of read the paper. Watch this. What's going on? Jesus is getting close. What are we supposed to be doing? Hunkering down, buying beef jerky and generators? No, we're supposed to go out and occupy till he comes and be a blessing. Mow the grass, pay your bills, unstop your toilet, do stuff. <laughs> look, at, look at Romans. I'll read you something out of Romans. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and uh, I'll jump in here at um, verse 12. Romans 5, 12. Here's what we understand. When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. Everybody say everyone. And everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. Even before the law was given. But, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Now, I'm going to make a statement. Don't want to be controversial. I'm just going to make this statement. The Ten Commandments were not given to be kept. God never expected one human to keep the Ten Commandments. He gave them for one reason, to show that we couldn't keep them. The only reason God gave the law was so we couldn't keep it. All of this book points toward Jesus. When anybody says there's other ways to heaven besides Jesus, you never read this. There's only one way. Jesus created everything, everybody, everything. He is the reason everything exists and breathes. Do you understand that? The law was given for one reason. It was a schoolmaster to point us that we need something else to happen. I can't do this. I can't live it. I can't keep it. But Jesus in me will help me do that. That's why I shared when I was here in August about Philippians, about where it says it is God who gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I can't live this life without Jesus. It's impossible. He goes and he says this, Still, everyone sinned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who, who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol and a representative of Christ who is now, who is yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's generous gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. When God fixes something, he does not put it back the way it was. He puts it back better than it was. One man's sin, we all lost everything. 
Jesus came, paid for that sin. God didn't just fix it back now. I don't care if you sin 50 times a day, you can repent. And that blood keeps working. You don't have a thing where we like Adam. Well, if I sin again, I'm going back to hell and I lose it all. No, I don't lose it all. Jesus put it back better than it was broke. That's why the righteous fall seven times a day. They get back up. We know how to repent. We know how to forgive. We know how to grow. We don't just get stuck in one spot. Jesus did that for us. Merry Christmas. For Adam's sin led to the condemnation, but Jesus did this thing when he came back and said, Now, even though we're guilty of many sins, we are forgiven for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I'm going to show you. In Ephesians chapter 1, let me read this to you. Ephesians chapter 1, just four verses here. And the reason I do this is because trying to explain to the kids what's going on. I said, if you don't know who you are in Christ, nothing's going to make sense. If you won't sit down and listen, you'll never understand. You'll just be afraid. I hope I keep my job. I hope we don't go broke. I hope nobody blows up America. Listen, there's a church going on right now. We're reaching the lost. It's the age of grace. Now it's coming to a close. Happened when Jerusalem got that back. What do you know? Time's ticking. What do you need to do? Get real busy serving God. I need to make sure I'm saved. <laughs> yeah, I really do. I told my kids Christmas Day, we did a little thing. I said, two most important things in life. You know what they are? I said, no. I said, going to heaven and making money. I said, I just gave you the whole Bible in one sentence. Because we're not going to heaven. Nothing else matters. You're going to hell. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do, how many plaques you got hanging on the wall, how much money you made. You're going to burn in hell forever. Now, I'm not. I'm going to heaven. Maybe you'd like to go with us. If you do, you need to know Jesus. I can't save you. You've got to get yourself saved by receiving Christ. I can teach you. Take you to church. Witness to you, but you're going to make your own personal decision. This is a personal relationship. Number two, once you get saved, God's got stuff for you to do. Whatever he's got for you to do is going to take a lot of cash. You want to be single? That's going to take money. You're not living with your mom and daddy anymore. You've got to have some cash. You get married, ooh, you're going to need a lot of money. <laughs> you start having babies, you're going to need an accountant to count the amount of money you're going to need. And God wants you blessed to make you a witness to the world. In Ephesians, read the, uh, right here, Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 4 says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family and bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. He gave him great pleasure. When God made man, God wanted to make man, but God knows everything. When God made Adam, he knew he was going to mess up. Before he made Adam, he said, you know what's going to happen to this man I want to make that I love? He's going to go stupid on me. But before I ever make him to go stupid, I'm going to make a plan to save him. I'm going to make a plan. It's called Jesus. Before Jesus can come, I'll have to find a man on earth that will give me his son so I can give my son through him. I need a covenant because Adam gave it all away to the devil, and I can't just show up like God and take it back. I've got to have a man get it back. I'll have to send my son as a man to get it back. Some lady questioned me in Missouri the other day about the fact that how can Jesus not know when he's coming back? He's God. It says that only the Father knows. Somebody says, when you come back, well, only the Father knows that. I don't know. Angels don't know. Only the Father. Well, you're God, don't you know? No. Now, I'm going to mess with you here this morning. I'm trying to stretch a little bit. At the right hand of the Father sits a God-man. He's sitting in flesh. There's holes in his hands. He's got hair. He's got feet. There's holes in his feet. There's a man sitting at the right hand of the Father, the God-man. He is God. He's there as a man. Jesus on earth did this thing. He said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. What do you know, Jesus? I don't know anything except by revelation. I didn't cheat. I came here as a man led by the Holy Spirit. You will do the same. I did not cheat. 
you as a man will be led by the Holy Spirit. You can do what I do if you're led by the Holy Spirit like I'm led by the Holy Spirit. It's very important you be led by the Holy Spirit. It's very important you get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how you're going to live. In the last days, there are people being led by the Holy Spirit, and there are people scared by the Spirit of the world. Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, you're not afraid of nothing. You just see opportunities to witness on every hand, opportunities to make more money, do more business, build more churches, send more missionaries. It is a wild time. The harvest is plenteous. You ought to get up excited every morning. But if you don't know who you are and why you're here and what you're doing and where you fit, it's like, I don't know. Well, you need to know. Three times in the New Testament it says, I would not have you ignorant. I would not have you ignorant. I would not have you ignorant. First, I would not have you ignorant. It's about types and shadows. You need to understand types and shadows. Number two is about the gifts of the Spirit. God said, I don't want you ignorant about the gifts of the Spirit. Number three is about the rapture of the church. I don't want you ignorant about the rapture of the church. I'm going to come get you. You just keep working. One day you'll hear your name called, a trumpet blow, you'll be gone. Don't worry about a thing until you hear your name called, but then we're all going to eat supper. Do you understand what I just told you? This is an exciting time. I'm not afraid. I'm not worried. There's a great hope. First Thessalonians, second Thessalonians said, comfort one another these words. I'm going to come get you eventually, but not till you're through. We're trying to reach a lost and dying world that we do not want to go to hell. So occupy till I come. Be faithful. Be diligent. Go to church. Hang out with other Christians. Watch what you feed on. Guard your heart with all diligence. Rather the issues of life. This is an exciting time, but don't let the devil make you go stupid at the last minute. Not good. Verse, I'm going to jump down to verse uh, 9 and 10. says this, For God has now revealed to us this mysterious plan. What plan? That there was going to be a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against? Nobody understands the church. Only God knew. I'm going to do something special. I'm going to show this here. He says that God has revealed to us this mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan that at the right hand he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and everything on earth. Jesus is excited about coming back down here to sit on this planet. Did you know that? Father, I go now? Not yet. Okay, well, let me know. Father, can I go now? Not yet. We still got others. All right, let me know. I'm looking forward to coming back and sitting down and ruling and reigning on this planet for a thousand years. Now, look at this in 1 Corinthians. I read this to you. This would be real good. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, just kind of walking you through this, and we'll, we'll get wild with it tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I quoted this, but I want you to know what's in here. He said this. I'll just back up uh, verse 31. I'll start in verse 30. Just two verses. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not give offense to the Jews. Many people that hate the Jews. You know that? People in America hate Jews. They're God's chosen people. God's still dealing with Israel. We're not Jews. He's dealing with them. I've been to Israel. I love Israel. You know, most, a lot of times they'll yell at you over there. They don't exactly hug your neck. And if you're bringing money, they'll hug your neck. Just a thought. There's Gentiles. And, you know, Ephesians 2 is the whole thing about how we used to be unbelievers. Lost as a dog in the dark. And somebody reached out to us, prayed for us, witnessed us, came across our path and brought us into the kingdom of God. Thank God. And then there's the church of God. There's the only three groups of people that exist. Now, and, and this is something we quote a lot, but let me just read it. And I like it out of the New Living Translation in the First Chronicles chapter 12. We quote this. Now, this is what it says. Just, just a little short verse here, verse 32. Talking about what are we doing in the last days? Because you get asked a lot of questions. Well, this is what we're doing. It says, from the tribe of Visker, there were 200 leaders of the tribe and their relatives. These are 200 men, 200 fathers, 200 grandfathers, 200 dads, and their families. He said there were 200 families in this one tribe here. These 200 men of this tribe, leaders of the tribe of Iskar, what's what it says. All these men understood. Everybody say understand. Say it again. Say it again. I like to understand. I hate it when I don't know what's going on. Don't you? He said all these men understood the signs of the times and they knew the best course 
of Israel for Israel to take. Well, I need to know the signs times. I got people and wife and kids and staff, friends calling up, pastor friends. Man, what are we doing? What's going on? You know what's going on? And we had a relative that uh, when the stock market did the better flop back this year, took every dime out of the bank, sold all of our stock. And they wouldn't know what we were going to do. So it would be a good time to buy some stock. You know, Jim went down to $5 a share. Fannie Mae went to 26 Go get you a $5 bill and buy something. It will come back up. God said in Genesis, after the flood, he said, there will always, till Jesus comes, there will always be seed time and harvest, summer and winter. There will always be seed time and harvest. Jesus said in Luke 6, 16 and 17, he said, listen, in the last days, it will be like the days of Noah and the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Violence will cover the face of the earth, which goes along with 2 Timothy 3. Man, the last days, perilous times will come. Woo, men will be lovers of flesh, more than lovers of God, and headed in high mind and truth breakers, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Woo, from such, stay away. We're witnessing that you in prison will visit you. You know, uh, uh, your, your hunger will feed you. You know, your sick will nurse you back to hell, but we're not going to spend spare time or eat lunch with you. It's in the Bible, how we deal with the world, what's going on. But he's talking about, said, listen, till I come back, there will be, there will be like the days of Sodom, Gomorrah, days of Noah, violence. But at the same time, even though there's violence all over the earth, there will be people eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, buying, selling, building, and planting. There will be an economy until you hear your name called because we're the church. We've got a job to do, and that takes cash. Now, unless you want to be like the world and go broke, because, you know, a lot of them are going broke. Now, listen, the devil attacks everybody, including the church. But if you know who you are, you can realize something. We sing it. We sing it at every church. Going in the enemy's camp, take back what he stole. Well, do you know how to do that? you got to do more than just sing about it. Because the devil, he's a, he's a thief. He'll steal what doesn't belong to him. No, God bless me. That's mine. Well, the devil will steal if he gets a chance. If he does, you've got to go get it back. And if you don't know the word of God, you don't know how to do that. Ephesians six seventeen. God's word in our heart coming out of our mouth, the only offensive weapon we possess. And so what happens is, especially the kids that down with, there's wars and man, Iran, what's going on? I said, listen, don't worry about Iran or Iraq or any of those other people. God set all those people up. Now, we'll go into a little bit tonight in Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, and 39. We're going to go through and just talk about a few things that what's going on is in God's hands right now. I'm not worried about a thing going on in the world. Man, isn't it a bad time? No, it is the most glorious time for the church. Now, for the Gentiles, it's downright nasty. It's ugly because there's a transition about to take place. We're about to go back to Jewish time. The church age is coming down to the end. It is our most glorious end. God's coming back after a church that is without spot wrinkle, blemish. He's coming after a kumbaya church. That's me. Sometimes you got to go look in the mirror and say, who is that? That's you. You're the one he's coming after. Kumbaya. Get busy. Just a thought. Um, Matthew 24. Let's just get a little bit of the scary scripture. We can, it's early enough. We can do this. Matthew 24. This is usually where we go when we talk about this. Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the future. Um, I'll jump in at verse 3. Now, there's always parallels going on. There's a parallel going on. Jesus had to come as a human to get back a human that lost everything. But he's also God. He wasn't just restoring the Jewish people, the Jewish race. God was restoring and building something called a church that had never been written about. That's why you don't know about it unless you read in the epistles. It made no sense. What's this thing going on? What's this church thing? Acts 1 that we'll close with, I'll show you where he talked about both right before he went back to heaven. It says this in Matthew 24. Later, Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. 
they will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. Anybody heard of any wars lately? Well, there's always going to be wars. Jesus said so. And the closer we get to the end, the more wars you're going to hear about, which means you're going to have to have a military. It's got to be real good, well-trained. God bless those that serve in the United States military. They are following the call of God upon their life. It says this. It says, but don't panic. You'll hear wars, but don't panic. Yet these things must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. Anybody heard of any famines lately? Well, that's because weather patterns are kind of goofy. Too much rain, not enough rain. What's going on? Birth pangs. Braxton Hicks. You ever heard of Braxton Hicks? Yeah, you got to be a woman having a baby to know what that is. Woo, oh, that was cute. What was that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and if you missed that, whoa, what, what was that? That's another one, just a little stronger. Whoa, what was that? They're coming. Get ready. Woo. The earth is going through contractions. It's about to be delivered. Jesus is about to come. The end is real close. It doesn't affect the church. We're the Kumbaya people. Do you understand that? And if you don't know who you are in Christ, you can't just, I love what Pastor says, do something. Man, if Jesus had to do something, I'm getting ready to come. I need you to get busy and do something. There's people to reach things to do, people to help out. Sick to lay hands on. Poor people, you need to help. Orphans, you need to help. Widows, you need to get busy and do something. It's my goodness that draws unbelievers to the kingdom of God. I don't want you hiding out with a beef jerky and a green uniform and a pine tree somewhere. There'll be famines. There will be earthquakes. Did you see the news last week? 500 earthquakes in just almost three days in Yellowstone. <laughs> it's the big one coming. <laughs> and people call. Joe, did you read that about Yellowstone? Uh-huh. I still plan to go. It won't happen while I'm here. Because, you know, probably a third of the earth, they say, well, you disappear if it goes off. That's in the Bible. It's in Revelation. One third. <laughs> Not while I'm here. I-, I got stuff to do. Now, maybe while I'm at the marriage supper, it could get ugly. Matter of fact, the Bible says there's never been a more worse time in the history of mankind. I don't care how bad your life's been, how bad you've seen things from famine to war to mutilation. I don't care. He said there's never been a time as bad as the one coming when the great wrath of God will be poured out in those last seven years. Nothing's ever been that bad, ever. But not while we're here. We're in the church age. We're witnessing. We're reaching the lost. Do you understand what we're doing? You've got to separate the signs and the seasons and the times, people says this, earthquakes in many places, but this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So I told the kids, listen, you get married, you, you know, daughter asked, this is this a good time to get married? Great time to get married. Never been a better time to get married. It'll never be cheaper than this. <laughs> when you're a believer, you've got to make the most of the time you're in. God said he'd bless us, though. It doesn't matter what time we're in, what the economy's doing or saying. Now, I'm going to give you a close here with these three verses and show you something here. We'll pick this up tonight and go into the fun detail part of what's going on here in the last days. Genesis chapter 12, this is what God talked about Abram, where he's going to build a Jewish race by faith. Genesis 12, verse 1 said, The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, leave your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Watch this now. And, and treat you with contempt in all families. Everybody say families. 
All families of the earth will be blessed through you. All families of the earth will be blessed through you. What families? All families. Russian families, Ethiopian families, French families, American families. Through you, all families. Through who? Your seed coming. Jesus. All families will be blessed who receive Jesus. It doesn't matter who they are, where they're born, what their color, what their economy, what their education. All families will be blessed through you because through you, I'm coming. And that was the first time coming. And now it's about to do a second time coming. Do you understand? It's an exciting time. Not a good time to go stupid. Now then, look at this. This will help you out. Galatians 3. This is where we get tied in. We'll do this much better tonight. But I'm just kind of laying the groundwork here. Galatians chapter 3. Well, that's what God did with Abraham. Listen to me. There is a Jewish race. They're the Jewish race by the flesh that God promised to deal with. If a Jew dies today and they don't know Jesus, they will go to hell. Now, there's some goofy teaching on today that Jews are different. No, they're not. God's dealing with the nation, not the individuals. If you don't know Jesus, he said there's Jews, Gentiles, there's the church of God. If you're not the church of God, you're not going to heaven. If you're not in the church, you're not going to heaven. There is a hell that people will go to. That It wasn't designed for them, but if you choose not to get saved, that's where you go. But the Jews are very different. Now look where it says right here in Galatians. This is, the, this is the faith Jew. This is what Abraham became on is by faith. Galatians 3.13, it says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the Scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles. Now listen to me. God blessed the Jew first. That's why Jesus said, I've only come to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm sent to them. They're going to reject me. When they reject me, I will go to the Gentiles. Their time's over now. And for the next 2,000 years plus, I'm going to the Gentiles. There'll come a time when the times of the Gentiles shall cease. I will go back and deal with the Jews seven more years. That's why I can't be here during the tribulation. I'm not a Jew. Do you understand that? The last seven years of God dealing with the Jews, not the church, we're home eating supper at the judgment seat being dealt with for what we did said on this planet. We don't go through all that wrath. It's, we've been delivered. Jesus has delivered us from that wrath, it says. So what happens is we're not afraid or confused. It's like we're trying to get real busy and be effective till our name gets called. Okay? Now it says this. Uh, through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham. Now we're going to do this tonight. Four promises concerning Abraham. Four covenants in the Bible. The Abrahamic covenant, that's where you get to read all the good things that happen. Actually, you can go through in Deuteronomy, and that covers it pretty much the same thing. Deuteronomy 28, you know, blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed the city, blessed the country. That was what was promised. You're a man of faith. I will bless whatever you set your hand to. Anybody tries to touch you, <clears throat> I will kumbaya them. All those promises to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, those are ours. Do you understand that? There's a Palestinian covenant, not to those Palestinian people. If you don't read the Bible, the new political stuff will mess your mind up. God promised Abraham a certain amount of land. It is bigger than current Israel. Now, there you talk about the West Bank and all that. All that's Israel. Jordan belongs to Israel. Part of Saudi Arabia belongs to Israel. Lebanon belongs to Israel. That's all the original land. God said, before I end, all that will come back to you. So all the political, well, we need to give up some land. They can't. Jesus is coming and said, before I can finish, I must return because I promised Abraham, I'll return all the original land back to you. All that land's coming back to Israel. Whether they blow something up, get blown, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't control. All honest with God said, all that land, because I made a promise. God said, I'll watch over my word to perform it. I promised Abraham I'll bring the Jews home and deal with them. He's bringing them home not because they're good, but because he promised Abraham thousands of years ago that he would. He's given the land back because he promised Abraham, the first man of faith, that he would. 
There's the Davidic covenant. He said, from your seed will come a king. From his seed will come a king that will always sit on the throne of the land and the nation I'm giving you. He is Jesus. He's coming back to sit in Jerusalem because God promised Abraham that he would. And the last covenant is the new covenant, which was really kind of confusing because it's a mystery. In the middle of all this, I'm going to build me a family. I'm going to restore the Jewish race. But in the middle of building a race back, I'm going to build me a family. All the stars of heaven, all the families of the earth will be mine if they want to. And that's where we got grafted in. We'll talk about that tonight. So this is right here. Also that those who are believers might receive the promises. What's the promised Holy Spirit through faith? I say, well, that's getting kind of stretchy now. Well, let me close this last scripture, and again, we'll, we'll pick this up tonight. Acts chapter one. You know, Acts chapter one. We don't read that much, unless we're trying to get somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. But it's a real good book. Acts chapter one. Now, watch this. There's two things going on all the time ago. I'm just going to jump in at verse four. John, that Jesus, once when he was eating with them, he commanded, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Who did he promise to? Abraham. Who did he promise to? Abraham. Well, what are we? We're now in the seed of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham because of our faith, like his faith, not because we're Jewish, not because circumcision or any of that other natural stuff. It's by faith. Abraham became a child of God by faith before Jesus came. We became a child of God by faith after Jesus came. It's the same deal. All the promises he was given are our promises, but you have to claim them. I'm a child of God. I'm the seed of Abraham. All those blessings belong to me. I'm in a world that's messed up. The devil's trying to destroy, but I'm not of this world. Therefore, that contract has no hold on me. I'm the head and not the tail. Above and not me. I walk in divine health because of the stripes of Jesus. I'm different. I am a peculiar people. I'm of another country. And if you don't get that in you, you feed on the world enough, you'll think, oh, yeah, look, we're all going down. No, we're not. You might be going down. A thousand might drop here, 10,000 here. Won't come near me. I'm not of you. I'm different. My family's different. My children's different. My business is different. My ministry's different. My home's different. My land's different. I'm different. I'm under another contract. I'm an ambassador from an incredible country with an incredible king. I'm covered with incredible angels and incredible promises. Now, watch this. Watch this. This is incredible right here. I, I hadn't seen this. I'd studied this for years. I never saw this until recently. He says, he was talking to him. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promises. I told you before, John baptized with water. But here in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What Jesus did on earth for 30, those last three years in particular, he did what he did by the Holy Spirit. A man filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why all the miracles I did, I did by the Holy Spirit. The famous words, I did by the Holy Spirit. The 5,000 happy meals, Holy Spirit. Walking on the water, Holy Spirit. Got me a donkey, Holy Spirit. Tax money, fish man, Holy Spirit. The things I did, you do. But you need the Holy Spirit. Your flesh can't do it for yourself. That's why the Holy Spirit's not an option. Jesus told his own mother, as holy as we've tried to make Mary, he told his mother, Mary, said, it's real important to go to that upper room. Don't you leave, Mom, till the Holy Ghost shows up. Because I've been here to do it for you. i got to go home. And i got one piece of flesh now. So the Holy Spirit in me is in one piece of flesh. But if I go home... He can come back and be in everybody's flesh. And you can all do what I've done. You will all do what I've done by the same spirit I did it. Now watch this. Because what the Jews are wanting to know is, okay, now you came to restore Israel. Well, the Romans are here. And they're messing with us. And taxes and 
Can't do nothing. Can't walk anywhere. And when are you going to deliver me? Stinging Romans. That's what they're thinking. When are you going to restore? I know you're the Messiah coming to restore Israel. When are you going to restore Israel? He said, well, we're doing a little bit more than that. And watch what he says here. He said, he says, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then it says this in the next verse. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, the time has come for you to free Israel. Man, you've come. We've ministered, raised the dead, walked on water, healed some sick people, cast out some devil, kumbaya. Been really good. We you know, popped out of the grave now. now are we going to get Israel back up and raise the flag? Are we ready? He said, it's time to restore the kingdom. And Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set, watch this, to set those dates and times. And they are not, watch this now, they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We've got 490 years of Jewish time left. I'm the Messiah of the Jewish people. I've been sent to the Jews, Jesus said, because God made a promise to Abraham and his seed. I am the fulfillment of that promise to restore the Jews back, everything they've lost, to do all this. But they rejected me. And because they rejected me, they'll be scattered to the ends of the earth for 2,000 years. But now we're going to the Gentiles. And so here's the Jewish people that are now saved. These are Jewish guys who realize, hey, you're the Messiah, Kumbaya, you're God. When are you going to put Israel back? Well, before we put Israel back, we're going to kind of stop that right here, right now, and we're going to stick something in the middle. God has a big plan for Israel, but he has a bigger plan to build a family. It's been hidden. It's been a mystery from the beginning of time. Had the devil known, he never would have crucified him because it cooked his goose because that's what allowed me to build a family all over the world. Kumbaya. He said, I'm going to do before we put back Israel back together because that's going to be a while because I've got some years time. In the meantime, I'm going to fill you with the same spirit I was filled with, and you're going to become the church. You're going to witness to all people and go into all the world. Because in the middle of putting the Jews back together, I'm going to slide this family thing. I'm going to build the greatest family in the universe called the church, which the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Had the devil known it, he would have stopped it, but he didn't know it was a mystery hidden before the beginning of the world, it said in Ephesians. And that's where we sit today. We sit here in the middle of this greatest hour, in the last of the greatest hour. This is not a time to be afraid, go crazy, get mad, go stupid. This time, let the Holy Ghost that moved in Jesus meet every need we've got. Now, the devil's going to try to steal, but he can't. Why? Because whatever he steals, he goes back seven times. You understand? We live in the greatest moment in history. We do not want to go to heaven with some stupid testimony. But how was it down there in the last days when God's Spirit was poured out without measure and you were filled with the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead with the snow of the devil? How was it? It was bad. Economy was bad. Terrorism was bad. Gas prices were bad. Taxes were bad. My wife was ugly. My wife, the kids mean. The dog bit me. It's bad. Don't want that testimony, people. I'd be real embarrassed to give up there for judgment there by looking. Because you have to do it in front of people. They don't take you into a private room. <laughs> now, tonight, we're going to go into very detailed stuff. We're going to give you just, just like 12 little bullet points. Boom, 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 boom. What's actually going on, how we... What our part is, what it is we're supposed to be doing in these last days. Not be afraid. You think Jesus is coming next year? He'd come right now. There's no prophecy left that I know of. He might not come for another 100 years. might not come for 50. I don't know. There's no. Jesus said nobody knows that time, so quit trying to guess. The Antichrist cannot be revealed until we're gone. Because I think he's the Antichrist. You don't know. He cannot be revealed. Not, the Holy Spirit's not. Listen, the Holy Spirit's not holding the Antichrist back. The church is. 
until we're gone, he cannot be revealed. So it doesn't matter who he is. Got nothing to do with him. He's got nothing to do with me. I'm the Christ one. Jesus in me. Christ me the hope of glory. I don't deal with the Antichrist. I don't care who he is, where he comes from, what he's doing. I'm not going to waste any time reading about him because he can't show up until I'm gone. Now, Ezekiel talks, there is a coming war, and we'll talk about this tonight. There is a coming war. So every nation you're reading about today, is, they've all changed in the last 30 years. You know, uh, Ethiopia used to be an ally of us. You know, Lydia used to be an ally of us. They all used to be out. They're not anymore. Why? Jesus is getting ready to come back. So everything's lining up according to Ezekiel 38 and 39. Russia, the Soviet Union, the former Soviet th that were with them, they're all starting to come back now. They just did a big arms deal with Iran and Iraq. Uh, Soviet Putin just did a big arms deal with Saudi Arabia, our ally, but a Saudi uh, arms deal with him. What are you doing? He's beefing them up. God said this. God said, I'm going to tell you something, Gog and Magog. I want you to beef up. Libya, Sudan, Iran, Iraq, all of Persia, all these nations we read about, God said, load up. God spoke to that little mayor that became the head of Iran, the guy that wants to kill Israel and kill us. God put him in office. He didn't take that office. God's, God sets up kings. God put him in office and told him. I could tell him what he may not know. God finally put you in office. He said, I want you to beef up. I want you to load up. Get your weapons. Get your tanks. Get your nuclear arms. I want you to get real stinking big. All of you, load to the teeth. Putin, load up the Soviets again. Get your armament out. Have parade. Come on, Iran. Load up. Show everybody. We're bad. We're bad. We're bad. Build your nuclear reactors. Come on. God told him to get bad. Because <laughs> as soon as you're big and bad, I'm going to bring all of you down on top of Israel and kill you in front of everybody. <laughs> to show everybody, I'm God. I'll whip something bad. I tell the kids every time you read about Iran, God, they might get nuclear weapons. What do you think? God told them to. That God wants them big and bad. Oh, that's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with me. We're the church. We're paying our bills, mowing the grass, and stopping the toilet. We're helping the kids with the algebra homework, paying your college tuition. Praise God. We're living our life. We're occupied. Being the witness everywhere we go and everything we do, how we handle people, how we handle our friends, how we handle them. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. What God's doing with the Gentiles got nothing to do with me. He's doing, get bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because by the time you are, I'm out of here. This going to get real ugly. Every time an angel showed up, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. I only deal with Christians. I don't deal with too many unbelievers unless it's an airport on a plane. They're not too scared of what? Jesus whipped the devil. The Holy Ghost that was in him when he did, it's in you. What are you doing? Evident, you're not doing anything. You've stopped moving. You've lost your vision of who you are and what you're doing. You're afraid of the world now. You're not in the world. You're Listen, we're in it. We're not of it. This is not, that doesn't affect us. We're the church. God's bringing Jews home to deal with them for seven years. It's going to get ugly for them. It is. Bless their heart. But many will be saved. You read about all the thousands will be saved? Because if you don't get saved, if you're Jew, you're going to go to hell. And Jews don't go to heaven. Church goes to heaven. Unbelievers don't go to heaven. Believers go to heaven. Our job is to reach those that don't know. That's why I believe in witness to the Jewish race and send in flyers and send in missionaries over there to witness, to go into France, to go into Ethiopia. To everywhere we, why? Jesus is coming. This is the time of the great harvest. There's just not enough laborers. That's what the church says. We're laborers reaching the lost like we used to be, but we are no longer. This is the most exciting time in history. So every time you read that paper about Iraq or Iran or something, just smile a little bit. <laughs> 
Every time you read something about our military people, praise God for them. Thank God for them. Pray for them. Because Jesus said there'll be wars, rumors, wars, but not for you because you're the, you're the Christians. Get yourself a military and get big. Be good. That's what he told Jehoshaphat during a time of peace. God told Jehoshaphat during a supernatural time of peace to build a million-man army. Jehoshaphat said, what I need an army for is peace. Well, this is temporary. The world doesn't understand the spiritual things. I'm doing this temporary so you can build an army because they understand a big army. That's why we need to stay number one. We need to support Israel every day. God said, I'll bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. Pray for our State Department. Pray for our government. We're going to stay on Israel's side to the last moment. Now, the Bible says when those nations come down on Israel, when they all attack, people say, oh, you think they're going to attack? We'll see it. I don't know. The Bible says when those nations come down to attack Israel, all those big bad boys, nobody will help them. There's not a nation, no nation, the Bible says, no nation, which would include us, comes to help Israel. Well, the only way I can imagine that happens is if we're gone. Because as long as Christians are here and we're doing support and we've got all these political actions, we're going to help them because we know our, we're tied to them. We are tied. That's why the Bible says pray, church, pray for the peace of Jerusalem every day because that's, that's where Jesus has come to sit down. So if you know who you are and what you're supposed to do, you're not worried. You just realize, man, are we seeing it happen or what? Is this something exciting or what? Is this not the time the Holy Spirit poured out on all flesh? Man, it's a better time to witness than ever before. It's a better time to make money, build a business, start a church. This is the best time ever. I take no pleasure, Hebrews says, in those who pull back, those who draw back. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Let's lean into it. What do you say? Let's stand up. We're going to pray. You learn anything this morning? Yes. Praise God. We're going to really have fun with this tonight. We're going to pick up some great stuff. You'll, you'll laugh and have a good time with what we're going to cover tonight. It will encourage you and your family. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. Lord, we say thank you for letting us be alive in the last days. Father, we are not afraid of what's going on in the world. The world's actually afraid of us, according to Psalms 92. We are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for loving us. We didn't even know what love was. Thank you for sending labors across our path. Thank you for taking blindness from our minds and lightening the eyes of our understanding. Thank you, Lord, for filling us with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for ordering our steps, directing our paths. Thank you that your mercy is new every morning. Thank you for your guidance, your divine protection, the holy angels. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for placing us in this local church where it has pleased you to place us. For that, we say thank you, Father. And Father, I leave with this prayer right here. Here's what I pray for myself, my family, and everybody in here. I ask you in Jesus' name to give us in 2009, give us the bold desire and the power in 2009 to do what pleases you. Of all the things going on, Father, we, number one, want to please you. We want to be in the middle of your will, in the belly button of the harvest in the last days. We are excited to be here doing what you're doing in the last days. Help us be more efficient and more effective. Father, search our hearts. See if there's any wicked way in us. If there is, lead us out in the way everlasting. Do not let secret sins take hold upon us. Thank you for a jubilee year. I believe that 2009 is going to be a jubilee year. We're going to be more effective than we have ever been for you, Father. We're going to bring glory and honor to your name and all we say and do in 2009. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking for just one minute. No one looking around. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Two questions this morning. Are you here and you say, Joe, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never, ever asked him into my heart. But I want to do something about that this morning. God's been dealing with me. The Bible says that God draws the unbeliever out of his goodness. God is not trying to scare you into heaven. God's trying to love you into heaven. But he needs you to do something. The Bible says this. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't earn it. You just receive it. You don't work for salvation. You just receive it. 
If you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, all you've got to do this morning is just ask God to come into your heart and save you. He'll do it. God will save you right where you stand. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out or call you forward. Men don't save men. God saves men. God can and will save you right where you stand this morning if you're willing to ask Him. He needs your permission. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. You ask Jesus to save you this morning, He'll save you right where you stand. You will leave here different when you come in. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. You'll never be the same. Or perhaps you're here this morning and say, Joe, I am saved, but I've not been living for the Lord. And the devil's got into my life. I am buried in mediocrity. My life has not turned out like I thought. I let Jesus save me at one time, but I'm never too allowed him to come in and be the Lord of my life on a regular daily basis. But I want to do something about that. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus this morning, Joe. I'm ready to get serious with Jesus in 2009. I want him to be the Lord of my life, my family, my faith, my finances, my future. I'm ready to have that rich, abundant life he promised to come give me in John 10. If that's you, you pray the exact same prayer out of Romans. We're going to pray with these other people. God in heaven will forgive you every sin you have ever committed in a moment of time. Take all of your sins as far as the east is from the west. Put them in the depths of the sea. There'll be no record of them in heaven. There'll be no record on the books of heaven. God himself will forget all those sins, never remember them. The Bible says this, God will make the devil pay you back seven times whatever he stole from you. It'll never get easier than this. So right now with no one looking, heads bowed, eyes closed. Joe, that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life for the first time ever. I've never done that. Or Joe, I'm ready to get serious with Jesus this year. I want to rededicate my life. Would you pray that 30-second prayer with me? If that's you on either account right now and you'd like me to pray this 30-second prayer of Romans, be saved or to rededicate your life, would you stick your hand up, wave it up real good, and put it back down? Joe, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, bonus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you back there. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Joe, I'm not raising my hand yet. Please include in your prayer. I want to know. Thank you. Thank you, son. Thank you. Anyone else? God sees your heart. God loves you. Thank you, sir. God just needs you to give him permission. He does the saving, the redeeming, the restoring. Anybody else? Joe, I'm not raising my hand yet. Please, thank you, darling. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Yes, I see that hand right there. Thank you, darling, right there. Thank you, son. Thank you. Anyone else? Quickly, we're going to pray. Joe, I'm not raising my hand, including your prayer. Thank you. Thank you right there. Thank both of you right there. God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you, sir, right there. Anyone else? It'll never get easier than this. God loves you. He just needs your permission. Man, he'll do stuff you can't do for yourself. He just needs your permission. Anyone else? Before we pray, one more time. Anyone else? Any hand not raised yet? You want to be included? Thank you. Thank you for your votes. All right. Hands down, heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's what we're going to do. All of you who raised your hands this morning, we're going to pray with you. I told you it'll never get easier than this. We're going to pray with you, and God's about to do the two greatest miracles he can do, save souls and forgive sins. You will never be the same after this morning. So I want everybody in here, let's all pray with them this morning. I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud right now with me. Say this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son. He died for me. And you raised him from the dead. I ask him now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you by faith. With thanksgiving, in Jesus' name. Father, with all these hands that went up this morning, either for the first time ever or the simple reaffirmation of their faith in you, according to their obedience to your holy word, as of right now, they are cleansed, forgiven, blood-bought, born-again, children of God. They're saved. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil is not their Lord anymore. I thank you, Father, they are now your sheep. You're their shepherd. They're going to hear your voice the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Father, they are in your hands. No man can take them out. Proverbs 6 says this, Father, now that your children, you're going to talk to them when they flee.
You'll talk to them when they wake up. You will talk to them as they walk during the day. You'll never leave them, Father. I thank you for the fear of God that's come upon them this morning. We welcome both into the family and back into the fold. And I remind you, whatever the devil has stolen, he now is back seven times, Father. This is their Jubilee Day in Jesus' name. And everybody said, give the Lord a big hand. Clap, would you? Pastor.